You're listening to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington podcast. Take a moment to center yourself in this space and enjoy this week's sermon. Today's reading is from the poet, the poet, Joy Harjo, titled For Keeps. Sun makes the day new. Tiny green plants emerge from earth. Birds are singing the sky into place. There is nowhere else I want to be but here. I lean into the rhythm of your heart to see where it will take us. We gallop into a warm southern wind. I link my legs to yours and we ride together toward the ancient encampment of our relatives. Where have you been, they ask, and what has taken you so long? That night, after eating, singing, and dancing, we lay together under the stars. We know ourselves to be part of mystery. It is unspeakable. It is everlasting. It is for keeps. One of my favorite books that introduces Unitarian Universalism to our children is this little book, which just gets the elephant in the room out of the way. Unitarian Universalism is a really long name. (laughs) It is. (laughs) But inside it has one of the simplest explanations of who we are, a chalice lighting that our children and youth do often. There's often hand movements that go with it. Sometimes they vary, but it's, we light this chalice as we do every week to celebrate Unitarian Universalism. This is the church of open minds, helping hands, and open hearts. That's a good elevator speech right there. For all the time that we adults spend toiling over how do we describe Unitarian Universalism, there it is, right there. You can look at this later if you like. But how would you describe Unitarian Universalism to a stranger? How about to someone visiting today? Are you prepared to give them a sense of who we are, what we're about, where we come from, and what we hope for? Would your response have your own personal experience? What keeps you connected and why you're here? Would you just hand someone a card with the principles on them? Or would you have no idea? Who would be ready to answer the question of who we are this very moment? Well, okay, okay, that counts. (laughs) If you're one of our newcomers or visitors today, don't worry, you're off the hook. I'll tell you a secret, though. There isn't a cut and dry answer. And that's the one truth you can count on in Unitarian Universalism. God, no cut and dry answer there. The afterlife, nope. The meaning of life, many meanings, no meaning. Even our buildings are called different things. Churches, temples, fellowships, societies, meeting houses, great halls, and so on. For some folks, it might feel like trying to define Unitarian Universalism is similar to holding on to sand. 
watching it seep through your fingers. But here's another truth, and anyone that's ever been to a beach knows this. Sand has a habit of sticking with you for a good long time. (laughs) Time and time we return to these questions of who are we? Not always because we don't know who we are, but because we are a unique place and path. It's not easy to share who we are. You really must experience it and throw out any preconceived notions you might have. Enter this place with a beginner's mind and an open heart, and there you have it. That remains true for those of us that have been Unitarian Universalists for decades or minutes. For as analytical and rational we are often stereotyped to be as a faith community, it all comes down to the experiential. When I enter a Unitarian Universalist community, whether it's for a Sunday service, a social event, whatever it might be, there is a sense of home, a sense of yes, an abiding contentment. That feeling is even there when Unitarian Universalists live up to the stereotypes about them. When that meeting goes on just a little too long or really long. When minutia is debated as if it will save the world. When we think we can take it all on by ourselves. When the music is played and yes, indeed, it is John Lennon, Bob Dylan, or Patti Smith again. When that vegan, gluten-free, and nut-free, zero-waste potluck is pretty spectacular. (laughs) And so on and so forth. Every year after I visit family in the summer or winter back home in Chicago, I always joke that I'm an occasional Lutheran. I attend a lovely little Lutheran church within walking distance from my in-laws, and it is one of the friendliest places I've ever experienced. They welcome me time and time again, remembering who I am with no agenda whatsoever, no expectations. They like to sing, which is why I go. And yes, they sing very Lutheran hymns. but I don't pay much attention to the words. What's missing each time though, is that feeling of home, that embrace of community, that meeting of minds and hearts that makes me sigh in recognition and say, these are my people. For all of the heartbreak Unitarian Universalism has caused, and it has, like any community. For all of the disappointment, and yeah, it's done that too. For all of the so-so moments, the radiant, expansive, warm, loving moments outweigh them all. Even now, as our association of congregations across the nation is considering a massive overhaul to our values and principles, and sometimes, many times in this moment, people are not their best selves with change. The good, the connection, sense of home remains. How do you convey that feeling? How do you pass along that wisdom? How do you do that in a culture that often likes concrete answers, black and white explanations, and certainty? We've talked a lot about certainty lately. How it can be a good thing, but also how in our current culture there's an imbalance. And we, we won't fix that alone, of course. There's a lot more uncertainty that awaits each and every one of us. And we will grasp at something to hold on to. I'm right there with you. But just remember the way through 
is to first notice what we're dealing with. But back to that feeling. We Unitarian Universalists have tried a lot of strategies to convey who we are. We've had cutesy campaign ads from our national office in Boston. Does anyone remember the one that was the uncommon denomination? Unitarian Universalism. Which is all right. <laughs> right now, I don't think we have a massive ad campaign, but the one I most commonly see is live your values aloud, not alone. Your adventure in faith starts here. Again, not too bad. But does it tell you who we are? Does it get to the experience? We hand out little cards with our principles on them, which is a good place to start. But what I've noticed is that the conversation often stops there. I've done it myself. Often to get people trying to witness to me to get out of my way. Here, take this card and leave me alone, please. <laughs> if there is a stereotype that we often live into quite well as Unitarian Universalists, it's that we are not an evangelizing people. We're very polite about it when we try to do it too. Hey, so I go to this church, but it's not really a church. It's not what you think. We just call it a church. And well, we have a minister, but they're not that kind of minister. They're really accepting. And we sing, but we don't sing that. We sang John Lennon's Imagine again last week. And we talked about chakras and Taoism and ethical eating and sometimes God, but she's really cool and not judgy. Anyway, if you want to come, you don't have to, really, you don't. <laughs> you really don't. Or we just don't talk about it at all. Now, I don't want Unitarian Universalists to change who they are, to be more like some other church. I don't want us going door to door handing out pamphlets. I find it kind of charming when we're incredibly polite about inviting people to join us. I do it too. <laughs> the only thing, and one of my great hopes as your minister is for us to get used to talking more about the experience. Get into the feeling. Tell people why this place matters to you. Why our values matter to you. Why our very long name, it's either 10 or 11 syllables, depending on how you say it, has depth and meaning to you. That conversation begins not with knowing all of our history, but in knowing at least some of who we are and where we come from. We should all be able to tell people that the two traditions that make up our name, the Unitarians and the Universalists, have been with us for a very long time. When our tradition was still explicitly Christian, we've been around since those early councils and debates shortly after the death of Jesus of Nazareth. Our Unitarian ancestors read the Bible and saw a singular, unified God, not a trinity. They saw an ethical Jesus, not a supernatural one. They had no problem challenging orthodoxy and doctrine and hierarchy. They trusted in the growth of the human mind, the building up of character, and the continuing evolution of religion. They believed religion must change and grow, or religion must die if it will not change and grow. You don't need to remember all of that. All you need to remember is how that made you feel, because we're a part of that legacy. 
Our universalist ancestors read the Bible and saw hellfire and damnation to be incompatible with Scripture and the nature of God. They saw eternal damnation as offensive, disgusting, and a blight that must be confronted head-on in religion. Confronted not with hate or division, but with love, acceptance, and that feeling of home and belonging. Old universalist revivals were a celebration of unimaginable, enduring love. You don't need to remember that either. Just remember how it made you feel, because we're a part of that. Unitarian Universalism begins with a deep and powerful history that doesn't hesitate to ask why, to challenge ourselves and the world, and to get busy loving the hell out of it, literally and figuratively. When you start there, for me, I'm left awestruck to be the inheritor of such a tradition. But more explicitly, I feel joy. I feel love. I feel home. And I rejoice to see our continued evolution as a people of faith. We are no longer explicitly Christian, but we welcome Christians. We tend to not dwell on the afterlife, but this life and how we can have an impact. We may or may not affirm a God, but we affirm that there's good and beauty and truth in the myriad ways of human beings make sense of this world, sacred or secular. We don't bat an eye when someone talks about their experience of a goddess or no experience of anything divine at all. We wade into difficult justice issues like racism, homophobia, transphobia, women's rights, and so on, with fierce determination, often before we know what we're getting into, because we are still loving the hell out of this world. We do it all with this full and wonderful history behind us that is unfolding in new ways again and again. And knowing that, feeling that, Letting that envelop you? How will you then talk about who we are to those who join us? Or even to yourself? When we approach someone with whatever church or tradition we grew up in, or we are inspired by the Bible, the Bhagavad Gita, a collection of Buddhist sayings, a ritual book, poetry, a study from the journal nature that just especially struck us so, or even our own daily life experiences, because our lives are just as wondrous as any holy book. But when we approach people on this path with a variety of things, places, experiences, and so on influencing us, but still anchoring us on this path, how does that make you feel? Because go there. Go right there and share that. And if you're not keen on feelings, okay. How does that make your mind come alive? <laughs> we could talk about our principles all day, our history. But if we leave out our experience, we aren't getting to the heart of the matter at all. That long name, Unitarian Universalism, holds within it the experiences of multitudes. People who never agreed 100%, but still joined together to build our communities. People who dared to defy orthodoxy, hatred, bigotry, sometimes losing their lives for it. People who did not live in such a time as we are living in, but it certainly felt like it. 
times when it felt like the uncertainty was crushing, when the world was drawing lines in the sand, when division was rampant, when there was no middle ground, and those of us who are different were fearing what comes next. People far and wide in times of trouble and times of peace, peace still saying yes to a spiritual community such as this that dares to be free-thinking, open, defying orthodoxy, questioning Bibles and beliefs and anything that becomes an idolatry of the mind, and still joining together in joy, in fellowship, in hope. Remembering that helps us find words for our own experiences. Share that. Share that feeling of home, of connection, of discovery. There's no door-to-door knocking required. In Kentucky and elsewhere in Appalachia and the South, we have a bit of a steep hill to overcome. We call ourselves, in a, 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 our, ourselves a church in a place where that means something quite different than who we are. But for many people, those who've been wounded by other churches, especially for our Jewish and other non-Christian friends, those who've been marginalized, For those who've never been a part of a church, entering our doors can be overwhelming just because we use the word church. Now, that's not a call to change that. That's for the congregation to decide one day, perhaps. Instead, this is an opportunity to be mindful of the words we use in this place we inhabit. So, yes, let's talk about our experiences. Do that first. But also, we can show people that church doesn't need to mean something harmful or hateful. That a conversation about the divine, whether you experience it or not, doesn't need to use the same language, be 100% on the same page. That we can reclaim words that were weaponized and ways of being in spiritual community in a new way. That too is a part of who we are. All of that and so much more. It's really quite astonishing when you, you stop to think about it. We get to partake of that freedom every week. Now, I have hope. I always do. And I read the news, like many of you. I know what's happening in our world. I know what we're facing. I have the same fears and worries as you. I have the same existential dread for our country, our culture, our species, our planet, that many of you have. But still, I have hope. I have hope because this community that's been a part of my life for most of my life, Unitarian Universalism, has shown me Human beings are capable of wondrous things, sometimes terrible, horrendous things, but even then the wondrous can still emerge. Maybe that's the universalist in me. All things are eventually reconciled. And the Unitarian in me reminds me that our values, our principles, strike at the ideals, at, at ideals that people far and wide aspire to. That our history reminds us that our ideals of freedom, reason, and acceptance cannot be destroyed, no matter how hard people try. Knowing all of this, I feel grateful. I feel hopeful. I feel somewhere deep inside that though the world will continue to churn, wars will be fought, tragedies will unfold, I have a place to call home where I know people won't give up. They never will. The thought to give up never crossed their minds. It's not easy 
to love the hell out of this world. But still they do. I do. And we can all be a part of that. It's like we heard in the poem from Joy Harjo. We know ourselves to be part of a mystery. It is unspeakable. It is everlasting. It is for keeps. There's nowhere else I want to be but here. Blessed be dear friends. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.ucl.org where you can find more information about our grounds, staff, and upcoming events. You can also subscribe to our e-news there and learn about our virtual service offerings. We'll see you next week.